We're very thankful today to be joined by Illinois State Senator Terry Bryant. Terry, thanks for the time. Hey, thank you for having me again today, Will. So where do we catch you, uh, catch up with you today? Well, I'm in Mount Vernon. I uh, left Springfield early this morning so I could land, you know, land my vehicle here in Mount Vernon. Um, we have been doing a uh, Valentine drive. <clears throat> it's, uh, I think it's my third year to do this Valentine drive. It's for seniors uh, who are living in assisted living or nursing homes. And so we asked the churches and schools to uh, to make the Valentines. And I think we got double the number of Valentines this year that we got last year. We're probably pushing somewhere around 3000 plus, maybe I am looking at the ones here in Mount Vernon, by the time I get to Murfreesboro, maybe it'll be close to 4,000. So I'm going to try to do the ones here in Jefferson County today. We'll be passing some out tomorrow. And then I have to go back to Springfield on Monday. So staff will be, uh, taking the rest of them around on Monday and Tuesday. And so what has been going on in Springfield over the last 10 days to two weeks? Anything noteworthy? Well, um, so we have a deadline tomorrow to file all of our bills for this next legislative session. Um, those deadlines, so far, it doesn't look like they're going to extend the deadline. So if you don't get your bills filed by, tomorrow, by the end of business tomorrow, then you'll be looking at having to either try to find a shell bill to put it in or having to wait until January of next year. So super important to get those done. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that I can only file them when the Legislative Research Bureau gives it back to me. So they, we actually give them what we, you know, what we want written in the bill. Then they do the research, they actually write the bill, and they give it back to us to look at and make sure that's what we wanted. Well, you know, they're they're pretty backed up because there's thousands of those bills going through. So I'm pushing a little bit today to get some of mine returned to me. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I'm now the uh, minority spokesperson for not only behavioral and mental health, but I've really been given the honor of being the minority spokesperson for energy and public utilities. So uh, you know that we're at a place uh, right now where I've been saying quite often, I'm kind of using this phrase that people right now, because of inflation and energy have to choose between whether they want to eat or heat. And so um, looking at, uh, I, I met with the new president of Ameren for Missouri, Illinois yesterday, uh, spent a considerable amount of time uh, talking about the fact that Ameren is now asking for another rate increase. Um, he was uh, defending uh, that rate increase uh, request uh, and, you know, I understand what they're trying to do because under the new ICJ law, they're going to have to uh, have, um, they're going to have to do a lot of things on infrastructure to make sure that we have reliability, especially after Prairie State closes. But my conversation with them talked about what a hard time people are having right now paying their electric bills. And so I'll be joining uh, Senator Chapin Rose, and I'm not sure who else will be doing this as well, but we're going to send a letter uh, to the Illinois Commerce Commission asking for immediate uh, rate payer relief. Uh, so um, that, because it'll take us a while to get a bill through. So we want the ICC to act on it quickly. And, um, and then of course, the other thing is under this last law that <clears throat> was passed about two, three weeks ago uh, that uh, took away a lot of the local control on where wind and solar can go. Uh, another component of that bill was $200 million for Ameren 
uh, rate payers uh, to get some relief. However, it said subject to appropriation. Well, subject to appropriation means you're not getting it unless the legislature finds the money for it. So we're going to be pressing very hard for not only that money to be appropriated for Ameren customers, but also for those who are members of co-ops. So if a listener, their electric bill used to be $200 a month, and now it's $400 a month, you're lobbying Ameren or the Illinois Commerce Commission to somehow intervene and cut that rate across the board for all Ameren customers? Well, uh, yes. So so there's a lot of confusion going on right now in what bills are being filed. We're going to sort them all out, you know, in the, in the coming weeks, but ComEd filed a bill that makes a progressive rate. So the more you make, the more you'll pay, the less you make, the less you'll pay. Uh, Ameren um, is filing something similar to that. So that's one, that's one aspect of what's being talked about. I find that to be quite unfair. Um, I would prefer to put more money into LIHEAP uh, for those, you know, who are really having trouble paying their electric bills uh, rather than having a, you know, graduated or a progressive billing, you know, uh, uh, income uh, process. Then, so what, uh, that's a whole separate uh, topic. I did, I spoke to Ameren yesterday. So in essence, I'm lobbying them to say, you know, you got to be reasonable. People can't pay the bills that they have now and you're asking for a rate increase so i'm talking to Ameren on one side and then on the other side it's the icc who has to make the decision about whether or not Ameren can have a rate increase so so we're doing this on two different rails basically telling Ameren don't do it and then at the same time telling the icc don't let them do it uh but again you know if if we tell them they can't we can't be passing laws that say well, you have to, you know, you have to have charging stations for electric vehicles and you have to do this, this and this. And then we give them no means for those infrastructures. So it's a very complex conversation going forward. Super excited about being the Republican spokesperson for that committee, because it's not just going to be about I mean, we have the most uh, coal, oil and gas now, I think solar. And uh, I just uh, heard last week at a Farm Bureau meeting that I was at in White County, that there's someone looking at putting in a 50,000 acre wind farm. So you heard that right, 50,000 acre wind farm. And, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, frustrating that uh, while the majority party, which is primarily Chicago Cook County, is taking away our coal-fired plant at Prairie State, they're also basically telling us now that they're also going to make the rules for where there can be solar and wind farms. So we're going to have solar and wind all over down here. It will not meet the needs that we have to replace Prairie State. A lot of that will be transmitted to the Chicago area. And so you can see from, you know, I'm giving, I'm throwing a whole bunch of things at you all at once that uh, we have a lot of conversations uh, going forward in this next year. But right now we need immediate rate relief and um, we need to also get that 200 million. So immediate rate relief plus the 200 million uh, for rate relief in the future. And then if we're going to give it to Ameren, we need to also be giving it to the co-ops. 
But Amron has filed legislation that would have someone making $200,000 a year pay more for their electricity than somebody making $20,000 a year? I don't know what the break was, Will. Um, I was told yesterday that it is very similar to what ComEd filed. And so I don't know where the actual number breaks are, but the essence of it is if you make more money, you're going to pay more money for your energy in the ComEd region. Uh, and if you make less money, you would pay less for your energy. And uh, and to my understanding, Amarin is filing a bill that is very similar to ComEd's bill. So who's going to carry that bill? Because that would be the least popular bill since the abolishment of the wheel. <laughs> it won't be me. I can tell you that. And, uh, and you know, uh, we don't, I don't really want to poke an eye in Am- a poke finger in Amarin's eye either. They, you know, they're the, the majority of uh, constituents that I have uh, are Amarin customers. And then second to that is, of course, uh, co-ops. So I don't necessarily want to poke a finger in anyone's eye. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we are we have a, a true understanding of the economic difficulties that people are having in the in deep southern Illinois. I know that there are economically depressed areas all over the state. But let's face it, you know, except for maybe some really inner city areas of Chicago and and East St. Louis, other parts of the state don't compare with what we have in deep southern Illinois for economic difficulties. And so this is not the time to be dinging people with higher energy rates. It's a time to try to find them some kind of relief. Terry Bryan is with us today, Illinois State Senator. We're talking about various issues before the General Assembly. Of course, we know that there have been a multitude of lawsuits filed concerning the assault weapons ban. Many of them in downstate districts have uh, found uh, judges that have agreed with the plaintiffs. Uh, We know that the Illinois Supreme Court may end up overruling all of these. What's your take on where all this is headed? Yeah, I get probably a, a 20 emails a day asking how someone can get onto one of these uh, cases that are primarily per county, uh, the, the ones that are being filed in state court. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've told those individuals, certainly they can join in one of those suits. And many of them want to because the, the temporary restraining orders that are being issued uh, are being issued for only the plaintiffs in those cases and so you can pay a couple hundred dollars to a a local attorney and they can get you on as one of those plaintiffs but i rick and i chose not to go that route um we're actually as as individual citizens now not as a state senator but as an individual citizen we have we've contributed to the uh, suit that's that was filed at the federal level um not as an individual plaintiff but to help fund uh, the ISRA and the NRA's suit at the federal level. I believe ultimately that that's going to be heard. I, I want to think it's March 4th. I'm not sure of the exact day. Uh, that'll be heard in federal court in Benton. The judge hearing that is Steve McGlynn. So many of us in this region uh, know of Steve McGlynn. He's from St. Clair County. Uh, he got one of the two seats that uh, Paul Schimpf, was hoping to be appointed to. Uh, Steve's a, a straight shooter, uh, very conservative. I believe that when, if he issues a temporary restraining order, which I hope he will do, that will be statewide. 
And so, and then that will get appealed at the federal level and then ultimately go to the U.S. Supreme Court. The importance of going to the U.S. Supreme Court is that um, this uh, this uh, suit, this uh, suit that was heard about, I guess it's close to two months ago now that they refer to as Bruin, that case basically changed the entire the lens that all lawsuits have to be viewed through now and going forward. And that is you basically have to look back and see what has been the historical factor in the United States. So you, in essence, you're going back to the 1790s instead of the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And uh, so when you're looking at it through that lens, uh, we believe very strongly that almost every gun law in the United States is probably going to be struck down. Now, I'm a very conservative Republican. Uh, I believe that uh, the the gun bill that we're referencing right now should be struck down. I think the FOID card should be uh, thrown, you know, should be thrown out. We shouldn't have a FOID card. Uh, but a lot of questions are asked then, well, as a Republican then, what's your plan for, you know, fixing things like happened in Highland Park? And it's a very simple answer. Our problem is mental health issues. And as, as I told you earlier, I'm also the minority sp- spokesperson for behavioral and mental health. So we know that there's a real mental health issue how do we address that mental health issue? The answer is the red flag laws. Often we have, as Republicans, we'll throw up the, you know, the flag and say, no, we don't want anything with, re- with the red flag laws. But the fact is that's because our red flag laws are flawed as well. Um, you're not given your day in court. You know, you're supposed to get that day in court to defend yourself. Uh, so we have a safety act in place right now that allows a, uh, a criminal uh, to get a hearing within, uh, I believe it's 72 hours. But if you're someone who has a neighbor or a dis, you know, a disgruntled ex wife or husband, and they call and say, you know, my, my neighbor or my ex is crazy and you should go and take their firearms, then, you know, the state police can come and take your, your void card and confiscate your firearms. And then you'll have to go to court. And in essence, you'll have to prove that you're not crazy. That's wrong. Someone who's making that claim against you should have to prove that you shouldn't have those firearms because that is your Second Amendment right. And, you know, so the U.S. Supreme Court is basically saying that if this, you know, if the state wants to take someone's constitutional right away from them, then it's on the state to prove that that person does not qualify in some way. Now, I'm not an attorney, so I'm probably not using the right terminology, but you get the gist of it. No, I think everybody understands what you're saying, and that is that you come to the question with a constitutional right, and the burden should be on the state to be able to, you know, prove beyond a shadow of doubt that there's due reason to take that away from you. Due process. And you shouldn't have to wait a year to go to court to get your constitutional right back when we have people who are are, uh, charged criminally who get a hearing in 72 hours, but this, but a person who's trying to exercise their constitutional rights might not get a hearing for a year. So if we're going to afford it to the uh, criminals, we should also be affording that to individuals who may not have done anything wrong. And if they did, if they are, if there is a mental uh, uh, health issue there, then you can prove, you know, the state can prove that in court, and then there's a real reason to take those firearms away. 
uh, but you have a judge making that decision and you have a person being able to go into court and defend themselves. Right now, that sometimes takes a year. And they're trying to prove that they sh- that they should have their firearms as opposed to the state trying to prove that they should take them away. So there is a way to 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 address this issue to and, and while we're doing it to protect a person's constitutional rights and protect society from those who have severe mental illness. Terry Bryan with us today. I want to shift gears to a different topic quickly, and then we'll let you get on with the rest of your day. I've been reading about legislation that's been floated to give various incentives to move the Chicago Bears football team from downtown Chicago to the former Arlington Heights racetrack. It doesn't seem like there is support for that concept. Does this issue matter to people of Southern Illinois? Uh, well, if you're a Bears fan, it probably matters, you know, or an NFL fan that, you know, likes to watch the Bears play other people. Um, it's not likely that the Bears are going to stay in the stadium that they're in. They've made very clear that they want to move. And they did, I believe they did purchase the property that Arlington Racetrack uh, was, that was Arlington Racetrack. So there's a real probability that they are going to move. So then we have to look at it and say, you know, are there tax dollars going to be used for this? Uh, If so, what tax dollars are going to be used? Does, you know, do the tax dollars that would be spent, uh, you know, do do we, is it a, is it a net positive for the state? Because it could be that, you know, you're keeping the tourism dollars there, maybe sales tax dollars. So it would be similar to, you know, when you give someone a TIF district, right? This is a little bit, it's a very unique spin on a TIF district concept. Now, here's the dilemma that's going to come in is the, you know, 177 legislators in the state of Illinois, about 105 of them live in or around Chicago. Of those 105, I think there's probably right at 100 that are Democrats. So they, they have control. They don't want the Bears to leave Chicago. So if the Bears want to leave Chicago, they're probably going to, this is going to be very interesting conversations because they'll have to have Republican votes. And uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, my first question, because I'm so sick of getting all this stuff choked down our throats, my first question is going to be, what's in it for us? So, to I believe what your question is, is the Southern Illinois, do we care? Yeah, if we can get something out of it and, it, and, and it's good for the taxpayers, uh, maybe. I'm certainly willing to listen. So, if any of those... Bears owners are happening to listen to WXAN today. Uh, you know, uh, I've, I have an open door, and I'm happy to listen to what your spin is and then tell me what Southern Illinois gets out of it because, uh, you know, I represent the 58th Senate District, not Chicago. Terry Bryant's been with us today, very generous with her time as always. We appreciate it greatly, and I'm sure we'll catch up with you again soon. All right, Will, good to talk to you too. See you later.